Have you heard the good news? All About Beer is back online. The longtime publication is now part of the Beer Edge family, and its vast archives, as well as new articles, can be found at allaboutbeer.com. Go check it out and visit often. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. And this week, I'm on location at Fair State Brewery Co-op for a wide-ranging conversation with Nico Tonks and Evan Sally, two of the brewery co-founders, as we talk about business evolution, how the pandemic has changed the business, non-alcoholic ventures, and pictures of Pilsner. And we're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that want to support journalism in the beer space. And you can help us out too. You can learn more by emailing sponsor at beeredge.com. Speaking of that, check out Fancy Papers from Cigar City Brewing with aromas of freshly cut grass and tangerine along with white wine grape and bread-like aromas. This hazy IPA has flavors of guava, melon, and lime leaf. Brewed with Strata, Sabro, and Idaho 7 hops to draw in lovers of fruit-forward hazy IPAs, get some today where you buy beer and learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. Don't forget to visit BeerEdge.com to sign up for the newsletter, to catch up with the Beer Edge podcast, and to check out the merch page, which is full of This Week in Rauk Beer gear, as well as Defend Pilsner mugs. Also, the Craft Brewery Cookbook is on sale wherever you get your books. Packed with recipes and stories from some of the best breweries in the country, this cookbook has all of your beer and food pairing needs covered in fresh and inventive ways. Published by Princeton Architectural Press, get your copy wherever books are sold. They say beer brings people together, and that was certainly evident last week in Minneapolis, as much of the brewing world gathered in Minneapolis for the Craft Brewers Conference. And it seems that at some point or another, everyone made the trip to Fair State Brewing Cooperative. I was among them, and I had the chance to sit down with co-founders Nico Tonks and Evan Sally. From the beginning, as the brewery name suggests, the pair, along with co-founder Matt Hauk, wanted consumers to be involved with the business. Not just funding, but with meaningful feedback and even lending a helping hand. Fitting that their plan came together at Blackstar, another brewery co-op in Austin. And when the doors finally opened here in 2014, they became the first in Minnesota to follow the model and only the third in the nation. Now, with more than 2,000 members, the brewery is hitting its stride. It's been shaped by the pandemic, of course. But the time of COVID has helped Evan and Nico dial in the business, focus more deeply on recipes, and think about the future. We recorded this episode in the tap room over the picture of Pilsner and get into many aspects of the business and the emerging interest in non-alcoholic beers, including one they had on their tap room menu and that I thoroughly enjoyed. You'll hear from Nico first. Here's our conversation. Sure. You guys have been at this for a while and... I feel like the brewery has gone through, at least from afar, I, I, you know, I check it every couple of years when I'm in town, but I feel like the brewery has gone through various generations and, and growth spurts. Where are you now? That's a great question. I, you're absolutely right. Uh, we, ha- you're good. we had ideas you're good. when we started out. Um, you know, we were... I think initially we were going to do the idea was to do session beers, right? That was, that was the thought. And then also mm-hmm. to do lagers. Cause that's my, my brewing background coming from lager beer. We've gone, we've gone through so many phases. It was all sour beer all the time for a while, all mixed fermentation, all, all barrel firm. 
Um, we've, I, I mean, I think the answer is that we're, I feel like we're in a pretty good place right now where we decided at some point in early pandemic that, or maybe mid pandemic, who knows, um, that people can tell uh, when your heart isn't in something. And although we're technically competent to do, I mean, not to toot our own horn, but pretty much kind of like whatever we've set our mind to, we've been able to do technically. But there's something about it, like if, you're, if, you're, if your heart isn't in it, people can kind of tell. And so although the, the tap list that we see at Fair State here today yeah. is pretty stripped down to the, the, the essence because it's Craft, Craft Brewers Conference week, and so right. it's all pale lagers all, all the I, I time. I was going to say, right? if you put on seven pills or six pills or whatever, crazy stuff. Yeah. Like brewers would be like, oh, maybe yeah, I'll have one. Yeah. yeah. But a, a tap list like this, like this is you guys are the Venus flytrap for did brewers right <laughs> yeah. now. That was yeah. the idea. That was our goal. Yeah, that was the idea. So, but honestly, that's mostly what we're pulling, putting out into the world is pale lager beers uh, and other lager beers mm-hmm. and uh, variations on IPA. And honestly, like. IPA yeah. to me is sort of approaching singularity where we can work some of the old West Coast stuff into the hazy beers. We can work some of the hazy stuff into the West Coast beers. And all of a sudden we have these beers that are coming out that uh, I've been enamored of what Cloudburst in Seattle is doing. And their whole thing is like, well, hazy's not a flavor. We're just trying to make the beer that we want to make. We want to make it taste that we, the way we want it to taste. Yeah. And it looks how it looks, you know? So that's kind of where we're at right now is it's 50% of our business is hazy, is what we call quote unquote hazy IPA. IPA is like 65% of the business and lager continues to grow as a share. All right. I want to come back to IPA in a minute, but Evan, do, do you, you all obviously must have conversations, but you have to agree. I'm hoping um, that if your heart's not into it, that people start to notice pretty soon. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, yeah, it's it just it's it's clear whether you're just like you're not marketing it as hard as you should be. Your salespeople don't care about it, you know. And I think from our perspective, as Nico was saying, is it's like let's just focus on things that keep us us excited, and that'll make coming to work easy. That'll make doing our own jobs easier, and then you know, just everything flows easier with it when you're excited about it, and it's a lot more fun. I was talking to a brewer last night. Uh, after I got here into Minneapolis um, who is getting ready to open up a brewery and I asked I was like so what are you doing that's going to help you stand out a little bit different from everybody else in the state that you're going to open up in and I got this sort of blank stare back and I started to think about Tommy Arthur a couple years ago when at a craft brewers conference he accepted the Russell Shearer award for innovation and he was like we need more innovation like we need people to at least just be thinking about you know the building blocks and how to build upon the building blocks and to get back to that other brewer i started then thinking about all right like yes if you open up and you just make hazies you're going to get a certain percent of your local market who comes in and you can probably make some money and if you just do what you want to do you can probably still make a decent amount of money. It might be a little less in, 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 the, in the short term. Mm-hmm. But in the long term, there's got to be personal satisfaction that comes with it. And, and your business model has been built around what do the people want, but also what makes them happy. Yeah. I mean, I think that's right. It's, you know, 
trying to build our portfolio has been, it's a, I don't know, like just I think a constant tug between us figuring out what keeps us really excited, what is something that we can get out of bed to make every day, and then, but what is also something that people buy. Uh, and, you know, we haven't always gotten that right, but I think uh, at the same time, we've been trying to, you know, just build this as a business, build this as, you know, through our cooperative community as a thing where we kind of, it's that give and take and that interplay, uh, interaction between us and the consumer and understanding uh, what that is and what can be exciting about uh, beer that, that we've been trying to focus on. Nico, as you're thinking about new beers to make and what the consumer is excited about, how does that thought process start in your mind about building out you know, new tap list offerings. I mean, it's, it's a, obviously all smoked beer. Right, like, it yeah. is entirely smoked and mirrors, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's I all said just smoked like, beers and you said smoke, smoke and mirrors, mirrors. Yeah. Like, which is also accurate. Yeah, that, yeah. Maybe that'll yeah. be the name of the next beer yeah. we make. And, yeah, sometimes we nail it, sometimes we don't, and it's completely just a crapshoot. No, um, it, it, we kind of have to think of it in, in a couple different ways, right? There's there's what we do here in the tap room, and there's what we do out in the marketplace. Yeah. And those two things are necessarily different because mm-hmm. this is, for the most part, this is like a neighborhood bar. Like if you've yeah. ever been here, there's no parking lot. We're, we're like, oh. you know, smashed into a storefront. And so because we're cooperative, we draw mostly from our neighborhood. Other people come here too, obviously, especially on weekends. Yeah. But like, it needs to be, it needs to be sort of like a, a full-service beverage destination, right? And so, what that means is that we always, we've always got a wide range of stuff here in the tap room. That doesn't necessarily translate to what we're doing on liquor store shelves. No. Uh, I think, and it never has. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Evan. I was just going to say, I think a great example of that is our Vienna Lager, which is oh, sure. an awesome beer. It's, I think, you know, probably third most popular beer in our tap room all the time. Yeah. And, you know, and it just, it's not a beer that everybody knows and loves to a degree that they're going to go to the liquor store and buy a four pack every day uh, and be able to sustain that kind of business. But at the same time, you know, it's an awesome beer that we love to brew. And so we have this place where we can do that. What does best for you in the marketplace? I mean, hazy IPA. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the the fun thing is since, that since when? Since 20, we released since our we first one. Since we started doing okay. it, yeah, like yeah, in, right. in, in yeah. twenty late twenty seventeen. Okay. So we were kind of late to so the five haze years. Game. Yeah. 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 But so the good, well, okay. The news is, or a piece of news, uh-huh. uh, is that I think we're all sort of internally very excited about where we're kind of at with the the West Coast IPA right now. So we have this beer yeah. called Big Doinks, which has really been a big a big success for us, and it's something that we want to do more of. And it's yeah, I mean, like, who yeah. doesn't dumb, love a dumb weed joke, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's um, an awesome beer. But the beer is good, and it's a thing that we really care about. It's it's kind of a rehab project for um, Columbus as a hop variety, right? So. Was uh, Columbus in need of rehab? Absolutely. It's it was an old school convince hop, me old school hop variety. Yeah. That uh, when all of a sudden things like Citra and Mosaic become king shit, they um, the pick windows on those hops are very tight. Yeah. You really really need to pick those hops exactly when you need to pick them, or you're going to lose all those aroma dollars. And what that meant for Columbus is that Columbus is sitting out there in the field. Sure, it's going up in alpha, so its its value to the extract market is the same. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But its its aroma quality is just tanking in that week, week and a half, two weeks, where it's waiting for all of the citra and all of the mosaic to get cleared to sit in, in their little tight windows. And this happens with other things, too. So uh, I'm lucky enough to have a friend who is kind of a big wig at, at Yakima Chief, 
and uh, we both are enamored of old school Columbus. It's kind of like marmalade and and the good marijuana and you know grape grapefruit peels and sure. you know just fun like awesome high impact stuff so a few years ago he was like well why don't we it was his idea why don't we uh hand pick a lot and do uh like a cryo run on it make concentrated pellets okay. and then columbus cryo can be a consistent product and so we've been lucky enough to actually help them select the columbus cryo for the last three years in a row all right and big doinks it's sort of a like a proselytizing project everybody that we do a collab with i'm like maybe we could throw some columbus cryo in there um, and we've turned a number of people onto it because it's it's an insanely high impact relatively low cost thing that is uh hand selected by us and so um well, not solely by us, but us and hop experts. Huh. Uh, and so this beer has been huge, uh, and we keep doing it. We've got like a, a terpene spiked version of it on tap right now called Legalized Big Doinks. And so it's fun to see the places where there is movement. Like, And the other place that there's a ton of movement for us is pills. Our, okay. our pills, we rebranded it. We didn't change the, the beer itself, but we rebranded yeah. the, the packaging and everything and the image. Um, when did that happen, Evan? Twenty uh, twenty. It was right before the pandemic, or maybe even. During. I think it was during the pandemic. It, That's how weird time has gotten. But it's up like a hundred percent. Yeah, time doesn't exist anymore. It's up like a hundred percent over where it was two years ago. Yeah, and, and so that to us, like that, that gives us that gives us life. Yeah, uh, and it means that we keep doing crazier and crazier things, like having six pilsners on and at the same time. Yeah. You know, things that we've always wanted to do, but now we feel emboldened to do. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, hazy beer is definitely the bulk of our portfolio, as Nico was saying. But also, you know, we're, you know, I have both the blessing and the curse that uh, there is no one beer that is, you know, 85% of our portfolio or something like that. And so, you know, we're able to kind of see what works. And uh, it's been really, really exciting, I think, for everybody to see Pilsner take off the way that it has. Are, how do you square, though? You say Pilsner take off the way that it has. I mean, this is the state of shells. This is the state where Pilsner and local Pilsner never went away. Correct. You know? So well, shells has had to shit can three different Pilsners in the last five years. Okay. So there's, I think it's the, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Look, there's, right. a, there's a reason that industrial pale lager is the most popular beer in the world. Right? Yeah. There are lots of reasons. I mean, when people go to when. So we're in town for the Craft Brewers Conference. And when GABF, the Great American Beer Festival, happens in Colorado, uh, there, there's a lot of folks who are going out on their expense accounts and drinking a lot of Coors Banquet because it's made three miles from, you know, wherever you're going to be. I imagine Grain Belt is going to see a similar bump this week I, I, you, you may be right but grain belt and oddly enough uh not to I, I, not to buzz market a uh, an anheuser bush product but yeah michelob golden draft light okay. that's 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 the oddball thing that we have here is that okay yeah it's yeah. A, it was a it was a product that was supposed to go nationwide for them and this was the test market okay and it didn't catch on anywhere else but it, it consistently outsells uh bud and bud light combined in the state of minnesota so no shit. Keep, yeah. keep an eye it's, out for Mick yeah, Golden Light. It's, it's a pretty fun little it's beer. A, it's weird. But it's, you're, it's you're, weird. You're totally, but, you are totally right. Yeah. But, but yeah. Um, it, we, every year that we've been open has been the year of craft lager. And I'm putting air quotes around that. You know, you get you get to January. There's some think piece that's like, this is the year when consumers are going to start dropping real cash on, on lager beers. I've, ri I've written a couple of yeah, those. And, the, uh, and, yeah. and, and good, good on you. I'm happy that you have. It's, it gives us a little shot But, but it's mostly because of conversations of me sitting around a table with guys like you right. where we're like, 
this is what we want to see happen. Yeah. We're trying to do the self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Well, you walk away from it excited and yes. full of lager beer, yeah. you know, and like you feel good about life. But <laughs> what the thing that's that seems to be different now is that um, it isn't. It hasn't gotten to lager as the full spectrum. But for whatever reason, the the the, the people that matter on the internet now are like, okay, well, Pilsner is okay. Pilsners, we can rate Pilsners. Like, Pilsners are cool. That's okay. It can be IPAs and it can be Pilsners. It's not lager. It's just Pilsners. There's a popular website where people rate beers. I've heard do, of those. Do, do, do you care? No. <laughs> yeah. It's a qualified no. Like, I don't, yeah. ever, I don't ever look at it. Short answer, But no. I understand that it matters. You know, Do, uh, yeah. so how does it? So if you don't care, but it matters, how does it matter? Like how do you, like how do you two circle that square? That's a great question. It matters because a lot of people think that it matters. I mean, it, it, it needs to be it needs to be a thing that we hold. I was actually having this very conversation with our director of sales today. It needs to be a thing that we hold in our head um, and not directly reference because that's yeah. when that's when we've in the past gotten into trouble it's, with things that are like technically proficient, but our heart is not in them. It's like, oh, well, this is doing very well on the internet, so we should try doing that. Well, you know? Yeah, yeah. and I, I just, I think it's like, you can't take your scores and plug them into an algorithm and say, this is the beer that we need to scale up. You know, and that's... Well, some people do that. Yeah, but, but I just, at least for, A, for us, that's not how it works, and B, I think that's like just a little bit misguided. I think you have to hold room for your passion and hold room for your, just your judgment yeah. as a human. Uh, to be able to contextualize all of the things that you're seeing, and that's just one small sliver of it. The so you talk no, but you talked earlier about like your sour phase. Um, was that born out of the occasional customer who thought that they liked? enamel being stripped off their teeth like, I, I, hopefully we didn't make too many of those no, I'm sure yeah, we did but, but like it, it, and, and I didn't have any of them because I, I wouldn't if I came here um, and I'm not trying I'm not trying to yuck somebody else's yum but no, no, like no, no, yeah. but, there, but there are certain beers and beer styles where it's like well this has to be you know the place to go or right. this has to be the thing and you get a little bit of a bump from that but I don't know how long term those bumps are I don't know either for us, the, the sour beer evolution was born of a few things. One, okay. we, we stumbled into uh, a, a person who ended up becoming the first brewer here other than me, who is, who's a, a certified genius in these things. Okay. And so he really helped push us in these, in these fun directions. That was one. Two, we had a tank uh, that never cooled. Uh, so we decided to make Saison. I can't. Yeah. You got very excited well, when it's he funny mentioned it's, it's a very funny story. It's tank yeah. number seven. All right. Oh, we, you can't call, yeah, we can't no, call, you can't it, call that, it that. You know no. what I mean? It was never. It was a huge liability from day one. And then also being a very small brewery and being space Oh, you mean tank VII? VII, yes. Yeah, there we yes. go. Saison VII. <laughs> so so from, the, from the jump, it was like, well, if we want to maximize what we, do, what we can do here, like putting stuff in, <laughs> in fermentation vessels that are not stainless yeah. is going to be good and then yeah. it turned out that the beers turned out really well and so it was like oh great let's do this That's and the, the and you know it was also it's a fun exercise how, how mad technically challenging how mad were you guys when you realized that it was tank seven that you like you couldn't i'm i brought it up it's eight years later i brought it up yeah. <laughs> I'm still you're mad still about salty it. about yeah. it yeah. yeah i mean 
It's funny because I don't know. We're on a bad podcast. Them. Yeah, that's people fine. can't Nobody see the, this. the brewery, fine. but you know, it's like a 900 square foot brewery floor back there, and this tank is tucked away in the absolute back corner. There's no way we could have gotten it fixed or done anything. And yeah. I mean, I think this is just a credit to to Nico and obviously our our old brewer's genius that we just took some lemons and made some really really awesome. Uh, I mean, we didn't make lemonade beer, but, you know, sour beer. Well, I mean, basically lemonade beer. But the thing that happened was that, you know, it became clear when we when we scaled the business that 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 did not scale with the rest of the business. And so it's just been progressively de-emphasized ever since. Um, so, yeah. To that to that point, how much of the business is bending to forces that are out of your control as opposed to trying to say I'm stronger than the storm? Uh, man, that's, that's just a tough question. I think from my perspective, it's... I, I think when maybe back to a little bit of just like the doing what we're excited about, yeah. but it's try, trying to find those things that in, rather than bending with the storm, finding the thing that excites you, that allows you to just kind of go with the flow... Uh, in an authentic way and that's a little bit of how I think about it it's like what are we excited about that fits what the world needs right now and how, and what can our part be in that rather than trying to take something where we've got this vision that is completely different and then bending it to that whim more in just a moment but first thanks to Cigar City Brewing for sponsoring this episode check out Fancy Papers from Cigar City Brewing with aromas of freshly cut grass and tangerine, along with white wine grape and bread-like aromas, this hazy IPA has flavors of guava, melon, and lime leaf. Brewed with Strata, Sabro, and Idaho 7 hops to draw in lovers of fruit-forward hazy IPAs, get some today where you buy beer and learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. And now, back to the conversation. As a cooperative brewery, though, where there are people who give you input and want to see you succeed, are they, is their finger on the pulse that's different from yours, or are you all kind of aligned? Yes and no. I don't know. You might have more insight into that. I mean, I think that... Uh, what I was going to say to yeah. the, the original question was that I feel like with beers, uh, I feel like I've like things have gone gone well for me if it's essentially seventy thirty going with the storm and putting my own spin on it. Okay. And I think it's uh, the the uh, the member ownership is it's much closer. I'm I'm consistently impressed by how well aligned uh, our like internal private thoughts about what we want to do mm-hmm. are with uh, what the people want. So a great example of this, um, we just did a, uh, everybody does a March Madness tournament, right? But So we did do one they? this year. Okay. I feel like it's a thing businesses sure. do. Yeah, yeah. So we did we did a full 64, 64 beer bracket of, of previously brewed beers okay. uh, and did a you know the full elimination thing where member owners could vote on, on which beers would win. I broke it out into <laughs> regions. It was this whole thing. Okay. Um, and uh, the, the two beers that I wanted to remake the most were the two that ended up in the final championship Which match. were? They were Keller Cosbeck, which is the beer that you're drinking right now. All right. And uh, the original formulation of our what became our like flagship pale ale for years. So it was a 2015... Citra, Simcoe, 11 Play-Doh, straight-ahead American Pale Ale. What spoke to you about those two beers? 
Like why? Like, I mean, positive I mean, memories. I, I, is like, I, I, is like I can't. Thing, I can't say right? that you didn't have your thumb on the scale, but like. Well, yeah, I did. I got to build the whole bracket, right? But uh, <laughs> I mean, I, it's it's a it's a feedback loop, right? Like right. if people if the people guava like a sour, thing, it just it's gonna roll right through. Well, know? actually, we don't have it on right now, but we do have a guava sour right now that I kind of love. Do you? Yeah, which is weird. Weird mm-hmm. but true. Um, it's a good yeah, beer. It's a fun beer. It was kind of like let's make sour beer the way that we want it to be, not the the way that. The market wants it to be. Okay. Um, and it turns out that it's like enough the way the market wants it to be that it works, it works. fine. Uh, but, you know, we ferment the fruit, which is unheard of these days. Yeah. Um, anyway, those two beers, like I was saying, I think it's like a it's a positive feedback loop. People like them, and so they have positive memories. I have positive memories of their positive memories. But also, they're both... Um, awesome. Low-strength, pale beers that I enjoy making and drinking. Yeah, and, and the thing is like, we make plenty of Pilsners, but this particular unfiltered Cosbeck Pilsner is yeah. one that has recurred for the last like six years at a very irregular interval. And so it's, for whatever reason, it's always fun when it comes back, you know? I don't know. Evan, I want to ask you, because that, that, that sort of brings up this interesting point of there's the ticker culture, there's the the rating culture, but then there's just the, let's just sit and have a beer. And before we started this podcast, um, you went and got a pitcher, which I don't know the last time that like I'd had a pitcher on the table, even like pre-pandemic, you know, where we're all just now drinking the same thing and pouring at our own pace, like that kind of thing. There's something that is very simple, but pleasurable about that. Yes. Uh, even hearing you say that, I just got some goosebumps. It's like... <laughs> I like that. M- M- Mitch, Mitch, your bartender, and I were talking about Springsteen before, and then he said he got goosebumps. And you now go. you're saying you got goosebumps. Go. So, Nico, you're well, next with goosebumps. N- Mitch so is all goosebumps uh, all the time, baby. Is, is he? Yeah, okay. he's a, yeah that's, but, that's his personality. But he, I is, think he is my favorite bartender in Minnesota. All right. He's great. Yeah. I'm going to tell him you said that. Well, uh, it's on the record. Yeah, it's, it's, it's on the show. Yeah. Um, but no, I think like what you said... What is a great encapsulation, I think, of about a lot of the things that me and Nico and our, our third co-founder, Matt, were talking about when we started this place was, in, you know, as Nico was talking about the initial evolution of our beer and wanting kind of sessionable stuff, it really, for us, the highest ideal of beer is this thing that you enjoy that brings people together yeah. and that you, you, you drink to have fun and to enjoy it and to enjoy each other's company. And, you know, you're talking about ticker culture and kind of like from my perspective, the highest compliment you can pay to a beer is just I'll have another. Yeah. And that's, I think, what what we like to see. And that's why I'm like, let's, this is the one that I wanted another of. And uh, let's keep drinking it. How hard is that, though? How hard is what? To, to do that? To make the beer that people say, I just want to have another of. It's it's almost, I mean, it's really hard. And you, you have to be right place, right time, right beer. Um, so that's the sort of thing that we... We could try to manufacture that, uh, and I don't know that we would ever be able to succeed. You kind of just have to ride ride what works. I don't know. I mean, or, or maybe it's just like an oeuvre, you know? Mm-hmm. If we have 10 things that are all sort of in that, in that realm, and then people can kind of like suss it out for themselves, then sure, yeah, maybe, that, maybe that's what works. I don't know. I wish we sold more pitchers, frankly. It's... Most of my best beer memories are like this, out of a pitcher into a glass, you know? 
can I say though that the places where you would have pitchers were the places where pitchers were the norm? Are you trying to foster that culture? This might be a turning point of the business. Maybe, maybe we are. <laughs> maybe we're, maybe yeah. we're rebranding. Great question. Um, I mean, I think we've always tried to foster a culture of like coming together and sitting down and having a couple beers, you know, and not and the being last two fussy years about have it. Sucked. Like, like, yeah, like yeah, let's yeah. be honest. Sure. Like, That's I don't, baseline. you know, I, I'm. They did suck. Yeah, you're not going out. On and them. I'm, you know, it's weird sharing, you know, something that has. We're not sharing glasses, That's but we're true. sharing a handle, like which. In April of 2020, go back two years, like this would have been weird. It's remarkably intimate. Everything was weird in April 2020. Well, yes, very, yes, yes. Point taken. It was very weird. But the, the, the beer culture in the last couple of years, and especially even since 2014 when you guys opened, of, of the it's the intimate nature because it was the cell phone nature. It was the, you know, people are on their phones the entire time. And not necessarily thinking about a communal pitcher in the in in the middle. Um, I don't know. I just I, I just kind of got lost in my head of like I, I now want to advocate for more pitchers. I think uh, I think post pandemic pitchers has to be our new motto for the uh, the PPP the yeah. new PPP the new PPP. Whoa, <laughs> we love alliteration. Maybe that's in this what this business. podcast is. Forgiveness. This is the, this forgiveness. Is the, the post pandemic pitcher podcast. Yeah, I, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. Could that lead to better conversation about the beers? Do you, do you feel like that could make the beers that you want to make a little bit more accessible to people? Yeah, I think so. Um, I guess now what we need to do is build out like a draft partner program where we have beers that only get served in pitchers. I don't know how we're going <laughs> to force that on the retail tier, but like... No. Evan is, Evan so, is like... It's a no. worthy goal, Evan I is, think. Yeah. Hey, man, talk about rate of Evan's sale. Evan's like, we're going to uh, have a conversation with yeah. HR after this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, Your I'm Honor, not... I'd like that comment stricken from the record. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I'm sure there's a button for that. <laughs> nope, there's not. Uh, nope. Um, I'm not... I think it's, it's 100% fine and good... The people want to go on the website that we have not named and and take sure. beers and stuff like that's, you know that's for whatever it's kind of the bread and butter of the industry at this point. We're not. I'm, not, I'm not trying to tear that down. Well, it's a great question. It feels like it because it's what you see the most, but it certainly isn't what moves the, moves the most volume. And I guess that's true. Because I I see it two ways, right? I'll, I'll talk to some fringe of beer fans who are like, oh, I, I saw this on you know Untapped and it was. Three and a half stars, so I'm not going to drink it. And then I'll talk to brewers who are like, "We don't give a shit about what they're what they're saying," you know. And it, and and it seems like there's some weird middle ground where somebody is not telling the truth in 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 this whole thing. Well, or I haven't used the site in at least a year, probably longer. It it's, might be the same echo chamber as the rest of the internet, where a, a small number of loud voices appear to be the plurality when in yeah. fact the vast majority of people are just drinking beers that's exactly where i was going to go i mean i think as we've kind of seen just with the, yeah. really the rest of social media and in general is that it, it certainly has an impact and it's really important but uh it would also be a mistake to think that that is the only thing that's going on in the world Can, yeah go ahead well i was just gonna say luckily no one's ever made that mistake haha -ha. <laughs> can we talk about social media though uh -oh. in how you guys are a neighborhood brewery with a with a larger outreach. 
how do you use social media to get people who don't live in your neighborhood to get excited about coming here? Like, obviously, like you, you, you pandered to the brewers uh, with, with nothing but, but pills and lagers on, and well done. Um, there's Lichtenhainer on, uh, in, in bottles for the This Week in Rauk Beer crowd, which also well done. Um, but aside from that, like, to grow the business or at least get fresh people coming through, you need to find ways to, to, to talk to folks. How do you do that? It's really, really difficult. Um, I don't know. I, I'm probably the least social media guru in this business right now. Um, I don't know. You've grown your hair out in the pandemic. Yeah, you're a, gi- and, a giant and, and, and it, and it yeah. just yes. it looks um, like you're going to... If you start wearing black turtlenecks to the office... Oh, God. I think... Right? I, I mean, I, why not? Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll make a documentary about all my frauds after that, I believe. Um, <laughs> but this is like, I think the, the how do you how do you grow the pie? How do you talk to new people? Yeah, that is the single biggest challenge that our industry has. And and if 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 the sales numbers and also all of the um, the, the the pain and angst that have have occurred in the last few years point to anything, it's that we as an industry don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. We we need to learn more about how to yeah. speak to, to more so, people that don't just like look like us right yeah. now. Because you know? yeah. I think, you know, what we do do doesn't necessarily do do that effectively. But I, th- I think a lot of the way we have tried to approach our, you know, media and just outreach in general is just kind of comes back to it. Just be, be who we are, be authentic about it. Uh, try to talk about whatever good things that we are doing at that point in time, whether it's making a really good beer, whether it's working with some of our charitable partners or just having a fun party with our members. And it's, I think, just trying to be really clear about these are the things that we're doing. And if this excites you, come be a part of it. Is there a way to grow the business through non-alcoholic? Absolutely. I think so. This is where a lot of our, so. yeah. our energy is going right now. Um, and it's the same, it's the exact same screen that we're applying to it as we've applied to everything else. Like, let's do the things, the non-beer things that make us excited and not do the non-beer things that don't. So we stuck our toe in the, it's not an alcoholic, but in the seltzer pond and, okay. and pretty quickly withdrew it because uh, it was not a pond that we wanted to be in. But we, brand new hop water that we just came out with that I feel pretty strongly that we've kind of cracked a couple things with um, and that we're going to try distributing in some different ways and maybe in some different places than previous products. Um, and then, yeah, there are a few other things in the pipeline, but I, I, I still talk to people who are kind of like, well, non-alcoholic beer, why would I drink that? Sure. And it's like, well, I don't, I mean, sure, maybe you don't want to, but it seems pretty clear that a lot of people do. Yeah. You know? And I don't know. I, it's Yeah. I definitely know a lot of people who, you know, through whatever happened to them during the pandemic have decided that they either need to cut alcohol out of their life or, or tone it down or just like they've reevaluated the, how, down, what their yeah. relationship is to it. Um, you know, maybe they only want it for these periods of time when they're with people and they're, you know, they're not going to take it home with them. And they, but they still, they like to drink beer, but they just, you know, the alcohol component. Well, and if uh, we're going to embrace pitcher culture, we should embrace spacing it out with a non-alcoholic thing. Exactly. In yeah. the middle, you know? Yeah, it's, it's. The conversation that I've had a couple of times now is the third pint. So you can have two and then switch. And if it tastes good and you can just sort of ride out those first two pints, 
it, it makes the next day feel a little bit better. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, I've, I've got one of those watches that tracks my sleep now and you can tell if I've had three pints yeah. uh, versus two and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's and it's it's, a, it's the nature of us getting older, yeah. as, as part of it, and and that's been the interesting thing, you know, as I'm like now in my, you know, still like my early forties, of the, yeah, I, I don't want to drink like I did in my twenties, you know, I I do want to drink like how I did in my twenties, I can't drink yes. how I did in my twenties, I want to be yeah, able I don't, to drink I don't miss like it. I did. For the record, John, okay. I don't I don't miss it, yeah. <laughs> But no, it's true. Uh, yeah, I I, I, this week is a great example of that. Like, it's I, even five years ago, I wouldn't have been thinking upfront about pacing strategies, but I totally am. Yeah, totally am. Yeah, now absolutely. So you great, to. you know. And I think that's awesome. I think that's if people get really into this as into craft beer, you know, that can go that can go not great places. Uh, and I think if if like if part of getting into craft beverages now is like getting into hop water and getting into like Amaro sodas and all this freaky stuff that's going on now that I'm very excited about. Awesome. That, I think that's like a more, that's a healthier entry and a more sustainable entry into being a, uh, an enthusiastic drinker than like crushing yeah. as many double IPAs as you can get your hands on. Do you, do you see yourselves as just brewers or... Are you beverage makers now? Oh, he looked at me. Okay, um, I. <laughs> Evans, like, I don't. I don't. I think of my. I think of. I think of myself very much so as a brewer. Yeah. Um, it's you know I've been doing it for professionally for twelve years and it's yeah. just like a huge part of my identity. But the truth is that I am a. Um, I'm a beverage enthusiast. Yeah. I'm I'm a brewer and a beverage enthusiast. So like when I'm drinking at home. I had a really good time trialing out this hop water uh, and drinking a ton of it. Yeah. Same with, we, we just did a, a fun little experiment where we kind of turned the taproom into a, a seltzer-based uh, tiki bar for a weekend. Okay. And, and making all of the various, like figuring out how to make Campari out of, out of seltzer that I made myself, super fun experience. I'd love to recreate that in an NA format, you know? So yes, brewer, me, but also uh, it's, I, it's one of these things that I, it's still fun to me that I get paid to come up with weird beverages that I would like to drink. You know, yeah. that's awesome. I'm not tired of that. Yeah, I think it is. It, it's a tough thing because I, at our core, we are a brewery and that's the foundation of what we know and love mm -hmm. and experience. And that's what brought us all in here. Uh, but at the same time, I think that there are a ton of other ways that we can kind of get to a similar point or express kind of the same love for beverages or community or just bringing people together. And I don't think we necessarily have to limit ourselves to that. But at the same time, I think, again, it's just kind of coming back to uh, coming into it in that really authentic way, whatever whatever that component has to, happens to be. To that point, before I, I start to wrap this up, though, authenticity of being true to yourself, which is something that we talked about a little bit early on, though. But how often is that conversation brought up here at Fair State? Pretty often, um, I think. I don't know. We have. We, I mean, we have uh, weekly meetings as a leadership team, and they're. I would say they're like pretty frequent, particularly when we're exploring something new. Um, whatever in whatever context it is, you know, it is just a little question of like, are, are we doing this for the right reasons? Are we doing this because 
we want to do it? Are we doing it because it fits with who we see ourselves as? Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the potential silver linings of the last couple of years and all the things that have happened in the last couple of years is that we've been um, pushed and led and uh, walked ourselves to a, a number of places where, like, the the things that we um, think of as our underpinning values are, are they're more firmly backed up now uh, by the things that we do, and there's there's more backstops that ensure that that those things are in alignment. Like our staff is unionized now, you know. Um, and I think that does that have a larger interest by consumers? Yes. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Definitely. Um, yeah. It, Big time. And I, I think like, I feel it's important, but I also feel it gets one of those things where, you know, when Amazon gets it in Staten Island, everybody is like, "Oh my gosh!" And it's either one way or the other kind of thing. But yeah. like. Here, this is where it matters because you can actually track the... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think from our perspective, it was just like, it was another opportunity to be true to ourselves and do the thing that yeah. we should do. And that's and exactly that what I'm saying. Is yeah. who we are. And so, you know, and then the fact that that happens and the, the crazy fact that, you know, we're one of, or maybe the only unionized microbrewery in the country at our size, um, you know, people see that and they recognize that we came to it in an authentic way and, you know, they, they respond to that. And it, 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 it feels like us, uh, it's like, it's a good, almost an enforcement mechanism. It keeps us kind of like, there are so many more moments now where we're checking like, hey, is this actually a, an, a thing that we authentically feel good about and should be doing? And that and, and having that happen more often behind the scenes, I think has flowed more into the public facing side of the business as well. You know, it's an unfortunate truth of the last couple of years that people have been pushed into political corners. Um, uh, but I feel pretty solid about the corner that we're in, you know? I've been asking folks on the show uh, for the better part of the last year or so. Uh, I feel like you listen. I, I, don't, I don't know if you listen to this show. I, I do. All right. So this is going to be the green door question. Uh, my wife and I were watching The Good Place, and in the last season there is this whole concept of walking through a green door and being any place at any time with anybody that you wanted to. So if such a door was around on this plane of existence and we could finish this conversation and you could walk through a green door and be in any pub or any brewery, anywhere, any place. See, you don't listen. Any place, anywhere, with anybody that you wanted, where would you go, who would you be with, and what would you want to be drinking? <laughs> Wait, it's where would you no. want to be? Who do you want to be with? And what would yeah. you want to be drinking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to let Evan go the first. Green door. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> man, no, this is just so bad for like my, my indecisive uh, part of myself is like, this is, this is a big question. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what this show is all about. Mm hmm. It's it's apparently this this episode is getting to the bottom of every picture. Um, <laughs> um, so wait, so do I, so I apologize as a, as a very big as a very big pictures. good good place fan. <laughs> do these have to be temporally aligned? No. Oh, okay. Uh, no, if you want to like go back in time and be like, I want to drink, you know. Mesopotamian wine yeah. with Plato, like uh, sure, would, by all means. So. Uh, I would really like to... You're drawing this out too far. You no, know, I would really like to go have a pint with 
um, a pint of uh, some plenty like with plenty. Re- really, yeah. really Whoa. excellent. No, <laughs> that shit. That's nobody, good. Nobody has said it yet. Nobody has Damn. said it yet. Uh, you have the. Have have a pint of the old, the elder with the younger, or vice versa. Um, no, what I would do is uh, I think I'd have a, a pint of some Pilsner Urquell from like early in its uh, genesis. Okay. Uh, and I'd like to have it with, uh, you know, I've gotten just over the whole pandemic. He wrote a uh, the I've gotten just re into the uh, Camus. And so uh, right. I love Camus, uh, all of his work, and just like the philosophy of life, I think that he built is one of my favorites. And so I'd go have a pint of that with him. All right, Nico. Uh, mine is a more more plebeian answer. Um, it's a time and a place that I would just like to go back to personally. Um, I would want to have a frosty cold pint of Live Oak Pills Ooh. at the Crown and Anchor in Austin, Texas. In I don't know, I don't know, twenty years ago or so, with. Uh, with Texas Spring legend Steve Anderson, RIP. That's it. That's, yeah. And I think for one. me, it's just like, uh, I've been, I don't know, maybe it's the spring scene or whatever that's going on in the background. But like, nostalgic, it would be fun to go back in time and see if the thing that I was so excited about then is still as exciting as it seems. My hope is that the answer would be yes. And yeah. I feel like if that was the case, then I would have another 10 years in me, you know? I love it. Guys, thanks for opening up the tap room and uh, pouring pictures and hanging out this was great yeah man anytime hey don't forget all about beer is back online and you can go to allaboutbeer.com to catch up with great content and if you want to support writers in the beer journalism space go check out our patreon it's patreon.com slash all about beer please keep in touch you have questions comments you can always email me it's john hall at beeredge.com that's j-o-h-n-h-o-l-l or you can get with me on twitter at john underscore hall Check out BeerEdge.com for our This Week in Rauk Beer and Defend Pilsner merch and follow along on social media at The Beer Edge. And of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Beer. We're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to sponsor at BeerEdge.com. And speaking of that, Fancy Papers from Cigar City Brewing is this week's sponsor. With aromas of freshly cut grass and tangerine, along with white wine grape and bread-like aromas, this hazy IPA has flavors of guava, melon, and lime leaf. Brewed with Strata, Sabro, and Idaho 7 hops to draw in lovers of fruit-forward IPAs. Get some today where you buy beer and learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. Also, don't forget to check out my new book, The Craft Brewery Cookbook. It's now on sale wherever you get your books. Packed with recipes and stories from some of the best breweries in the country, this cookbook has all of your beer and food pairing needs covered in fresh and inventive ways. Published by Princeton Architectural Press, get your copies today wherever books are sold. Final reminder to check out the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch. Still, this beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. Don't forget to go visit allaboutbeer.com. On this show, Nate Weber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs> <laughs>